Good morning. Good morning. Welcome this morning. Let's greet each other with the greeting that Christians have been using for a lot longer than we've been here, right? The Lord be with you. Very good. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for bringing us here together. We thank you, Father, for gathering us here in your presence, for inviting us here so that we can meet with you and we can be with you. I pray that you'll bless our time here this morning. Bless the, the music as we worship in song. Bless the, the giving. Bless the receiving. Lord, bless all of our time together. And may we honor and glorify you in everything that's done here this morning. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in your name. Amen. And now, if you are able and would like to join us in standing as we worship in song. I don't know. What do you say? Let's praise the Lord. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain Your love will surely come find us Like blazing wildfires Singing your name God of mercy, sweet love of mine Like radiant diamonds bursting inside us, we cannot contain your love. Will surely come find us like blazing wildfire. Singing your name, God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your dear. Mercy, 
Everyone needs compassion A love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nations Savior, He can move the mountains My God is chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression or the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No, he has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You have shown us so, God, what is good you have shown us oh lord what you require you have heard all our songs how we long to worship you yet you've told us the offering you desire to do 
justly to love mercy to walk humbly with you God you have shown us the riches of your love you have shown us your heart for those in need and you're opening our ears to the cries of the poor you have called us to be your hands and feet to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with you God to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with you God to the oppressed and the broken to the widow and the orphan let the river of your justice flow through us to the oppressed and the broken and to the widow and the orphan let the river of your justice flow through us let your river flow let your river flow let your river flow To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. Send to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. Amen. Amen. From Zephaniah chapter 3, on that day the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion. Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, and with his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with singing. Pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you again this morning. We can never say it enough, and Lord, so we say it again and again and again. Thank you. Lord, what, a, what an amazing, overwhelming image to think that you delight in us, Father, that you rejoice over us in song as we have lifted these songs to you this morning. I, t I pray that you will take this offering of worship through music and it will be pleasing to you, Lord, that it will be acceptable in your sight. Father, I pray that you'll be with us through the rest of this service. Be with Pastor Duane as he brings the word that you've given him for this morning. Lord, I pray an extra blessing for him as he, um, as he fills in very gladly and willingly, Lord. I'm anxious and excited to hear what you have to say through him. May we all be willing to open our hearts and minds to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for this, this beautiful day. I thank you for, again, for your creativity and imagination in creating the seasons for us that we can enjoy, that we can, we can um, just soak in, Lord, as we wonder and gaze at your beauty, the beauty you've created for us. Again, be with us as we go through the rest of this service and as we go from here. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments as you're willing and comfortable and pass the peace amongst yourselves. All right, as we're starting to find our seats again, um, we, don't, we don't have a lot in the way of announcements this week, um, although we do have um, <laughs> Habitat for Humanity. Um, our build on October 29th, that's just a little over, just about a, less than a week away, isn't it? Oh my goodness. I tell you, yesterday all day I thought it was the 21st. I lost a whole day last week. I don't know where it went, I don't know how, but um, so a week from yesterday is our, is our Habitat for Humanity um, build day. If you're still interested 
in helping build that day, you can still RSVP. Um, you can go to livinghope.info forward slash habitat for information on that. Um, I'll be honest, I just RSVP'd last night. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's still plenty of room. So, if you've been thinking about it, you're, we're getting down to the wire. So, go ahead and check that out. Um, if you have a message that you want to get to us here at the church, um, you can do, a, do that a couple of different ways. You can go to livinghope.info slash connect, or you can fill out one of the green cards at the back and drop it in the box. And if you are wanting to give this morning, you're welcome to do that at livinghope.info slash give, or again, we have envelopes in the back, and they can be filled out and dropped in that box. A lot of people have asked how we can support the hurricane victims in Florida, and even still in Puerto Rico. They're still suffering from Hurricane Fiona that went through before. Um, was it I Ida that hit? Which one hit Florida? It was an I. And anyway, what was it? Ian. Ian. Okay. Um, get, my, get my hurricanes mixed up. Can't keep my kids straight. I don't know why I think I can keep hurricanes straight, right? Um, but if you are wanting to support that, you can do so through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. We already have people on the ground there who are helping, who are serving the folks that are displaced um, there in Florida, there in Puerto Rico. And you can do that by going to ncm.org, and there is um, a button that you can give to that work in, in any of the areas that are affected by disaster. So um, I think that's all I needed to announce, other than the fact that Pastor Schmidt, Pastor Dwayne Schmidt, is going to be sharing with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Well, Ruthann and I went on the first vacation by ourselves that we've had in four years. Thanks to COVID for about two of those years, and then it seemed like we were just busy. And, uh, I, I, and it's really amazing. Um, we went to Utah. Went through dust storms in Kansas on the way out, dust storms in Nebraska on the way back, or they're having a really bad drought. And then went to Utah to the five national parks where I have these gorgeous rock things that I told somebody I wouldn't want to live there, but it's sure a great place to visit where you can see God's creation at work there. But here's one of the things I noticed. Um, usually with our grandkids, we're take, we take a little camper. And um, campgrounds are different than people living out of their car that flew in. I could not believe all the collapsible stuff they've got nowadays. They put people put out of their trunks. I mean, they, you know, of course, trailer, stroll, baby strollers, they collapse, and this collapses, and they'd, they'd come out, and we, a lot of us use walking sticks because some of the trails are kind of steep and not too uh, safe unless you had a walking stick. You know, walking stick, they'd, they'd, they'd bring it out of their carry-on. They'd be on an airplane. Then they'd, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, it's five foot long. And uh, everything's collapsible. Sad thing today that's collapsible, we see in America is the collapse of character, the collapse of courage. You don't see it much anymore. People just kind of go with the flow. And so before I get to going, I want just in your notes here, it talks about what is character. So let's look at what is character. Character is an outward reflection of an inward connection. In other words, what's in here is going to come out. If you've got God in your life and your life is God-centered, you're going to have those God-like qualities we just sang about. Well, you love mercy. You do justly. You walk humbly before God and you ask God, God, I need your help here. Sad thing is most of the world is self-centered and other, instead of God-centered. And we're going to look at a couple of people this morning that were really, really courageous, even though everybody else was against them. But before we look at courage, let's say, what is it? What is it? So here's what courage is. Courage is our God-given ability to stand for what we believe in. Our God-given ability to stand for what we believe in. These two guys in the Bible are something else. We're just going to take our lens off the camera. I mean, put the lens on the camera. Oddly enough, some people still have these cameras with the nice lenses on them and all as they were taking pictures. And, and um, when we were in Zion National Park the last two days, it just, everything is so large. The tallest rock mountain that's just solid rock is over 8,800 feet. The majority of them are between five and 6,000 feet. Well, that's a mile high. And they're just so big, you don't realize how big they are. You know, I mean, they're just huge. And uh, some of these people, are, they, they zero around and see a rock climber up there. And it was amazing. 
what they could do with those. And today we're just going to zero in on a couple of people who, uh, well, because they were courageous, other people talked negative about them, and they tried to squelch their vision and dash their dreams. And, and, uh, and in just a moment, we're going to look at Numbers 13. But before we get there, let me just give you the uh, background so you know where we're coming from. Okay? The children of Israel, God's chosen people, had been delivered out of Egypt. Remember that story where they were coming, and then they get to the ocean, the Red Sea, and they go, oh, man, now what are we going to do? And Moses prayed to God, and God just opened up the sea and let them go through on dry ground. They were really happy until they turned around, and here came the Egyptian soldiers right behind them, right in the same dry ground. And then they start complaining again. And what does God do? He just closes it up, and next thing you know, they've got all these horses and people that had drowned in the Red Sea, and their chariots are floating around. And you think, man, if I'd see something like that, I'd think God could do anything. And then they get thirsty, and they what did you bring us out in the desert for? Don't you know we need water? And God just had water flow out of a rock. And then a little later, they start complaining because they're hungry. And so he produces manna, and they get to every morning go out and fix their meals for the day right there. And there's over a million of them. And here they are, Moses, their leader, a stand-up guy of courage, and uh, the 12 leaders from the 12 tribes, and they're out there for about 40 days. I mean, I mean, I take it back a minute. They're out there going over to the promised land. They finally get there. They've got to cross the river. I mean, God is ready to sign the biggest real estate deal you can ever do. They're going to, he's going to give them this promised land. But he said, you know, Moses, maybe it'd be smart if you'd take the 12, pick, a, pick somebody from the 12 tribes, those 12 leaders, have them go over and spy out the land. And so they do. They go out and spy out the land. And when they get back after 40 days, I'm sure the band was playing, they're really fired up, because, man, this is the land God's going to give them. And for, sure enough, they see men, they bring back great fruit with them and other stuff they eat that looks really good. Until some of them start talking, and then the wheels start falling off. And these 12 spies, 10 of them became what I call a vision vandal. They became people who just dashed the whole deal. So that's where we're at. Here in Numbers 13, it's in your in your uh, notes there, and the first blank you're going to fill in is fruit. It says, look at this fruit. Well, they couldn't help but look at it. The guys are carrying it. In fact, the grape clusters were so big it took a post between two guys to carry them. They were so huge. Look at this fruit. The land we explored is rich with milk and honey. Man, you can't get any better than that. I mean, look at the pomegranates. Look at the melons. Look at the cantaloupes here, brother. Man, isn't this, this is just awesome. But, 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 but. Next thing you know, a vision vandal always tells you, well, you could do that, but, however, moreover, you better be careful here. They couldn't get past the buts, okay? They moved from being courageous to being a coward. Because the rest of it says up here, but the people who live there, oh, they are strong, and their cities are large, and they're walled. We even saw... The three Anakim clans, who were really big people. Besides that, the Amalekites live in the southern desert, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites are in the hill country, and the Canaanites live along the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. Well, hey, you got a God that can do anything. Everything looks cool. You ever done that? Man, I got a new plan here. This would really work. And somebody else says, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But, 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 don't you realize? But, don't you? And, 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 and moreover, don't you know you're going to be... I call them vision vandals. Vision vandals are negative. They really are. That's not in your notes. I just had to get down and screen for you. Anytime God gives you a dream, somebody's going to drash that dream. I mean, God, the devil's going to make sure there's someone there, you know, that's going to be living close to you that's what I call in the moon zone. They just like to moon about stuff. They won't change anything. But here are these ten spies were collapsing their courage. I mean, just folded up. Ten of them, just freaking out. They're losing it. They see the external. They forget what God's done for them and what he can still do for them. They saw it from a human perspective, looking through their human eyes. And believe you me, if that's all you got in the world nowadays, you're in bad shape. It doesn't look good to human eyes. Never has. Clear back then it didn't. Even though they seen God do all this unbelievable stuff, God had promised them the land. He was ready to give it to them. All they do is claim it. Walk across the Jordan River, 
defeat a few enemies, and it was theirs. But they collapsed their courage. So here's some principles to remember that we're going to look at in our notes. First one is this. There's a quick transition from being courageous to being cowardly. Whoa. So it's amazing how rapidly, as I look back, I'm, I'm going to be 75 pretty soon, and as I look back over my life, it's amazing how many times I realize, man, back there, I really blew it. I can't believe how quick I went from having a dream to being a coward. And you're the same way because we're all humans. We went the easy way. You know, I mean, I could do this, but do you know all the hard work you're going to have to do? Right, however, do you know you might have been, you know, and next thing you know, we go from being courageous to being a coward. I tell you what, because uh, you and I need to look to the God's word to get some. Look, look at that next part there, there in your notes. It says there in verse 30, Caleb calmed down the crowd. Well, I'm glad somebody did that. Joshua and Caleb, the two people that still believed in God, that God could really help them. And our boy Caleb says, he calms down the crowd, says, let's go and take the land. I know, I know we can do it. Come on, guys. Come on, you vision vandals. What's wrong with you? You know, Al Average just wants to kind of go with the flow or Steve status quo or Mary Maintenance. Let's just do the same old thing, stay in the same old rut, just feel comfortable. We can't do that. It's too difficult. It's too expensive. You just, let's form a committee and talk about it. That'll really kill it. Here's something I found out in my life. And I know you found out in your life as well. And that's in your notes. Courage is a very lonely commodity. Sometimes you're the only one with the courage to do the right thing. You stand alone as peer pressure circles around comes in around you like a bunch of piranhas. I mean, it, it happens. Whether you're at the office or whether you're at school or whether you're at work, wherever it is. I remember one time, I, I had, you know, I'm just a farm boy and I had a job trying to get through college, had a job trying to get through seminary. And I had this great idea one time, and I said, hey, will you stand behind me on this? It's going to change some things. Isn't it? If they do this, man, it'll make our work situation a lot better, and they'll make more money, and they ought to be happy. And yeah, yeah, I'll stand with you. As soon as I went in there and started doing it, the rest of them that were going to stand behind me started agreeing with the boss, who was a vision vandal. I learned later what you got to do is present it to the boss as his idea. You know, you said something the other day that got me to thinking. I think that was a good idea, and here's what you could do. That always worked. But most people are cowards. They don't want to watch your back. They just want to go along with the crowd. And you've got peer pressure in me. What's wrong with you? You're a joke. You know, uh, you're not going to play with us. You're going to do our deal. Come on. Being courageous is lonely. But if you've got the character on the inside, and you got God's help. That's why a lot of times I'd have to say, okay, God, I need your help for the next five minutes. Really, the next five minutes. If, I can get, if you can help me through the next five minutes together, I think maybe I won't pass out and we can get through this. But the vision vandals, they haven't quit yet. Look in your notes. But the other men replied, these people are much too strong for us. And then they started spreading rumors. That's not a new deal either. Saying we won't be able to grow anything in that soil. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't you just show us all this stuff that grew in that soil? You think they're better farmers than you are? You think you can't learn how to plant a seed? Water a little bit? We won't be able to grow anything in that soil, and the people are like giants. It's so bad. So negative. Oh, and this next thing you're aware of, too, in your notes. Negativity is a highly, highly infectious disease. It spreads real quick. You've seen that where you've worked, I bet you. Or even where you live. I'm amazed how rapidly even I who tend to be a positive person can become negative. Just a natural inclination we seem to have as human beings. I have it, you have it, because why? When we become self-centered instead of God-centered, we're drawn toward negativity. Yet God comes along and God wants to put us in a positive realm. And what's interesting about negative, negativity is we don't want to be negative alone, so we always try to spread it around. All it takes is one person coming in negative. Back when I was pastoring over in Portage, we had 13 employees, some were part-time, full-time, we'd get together Monday morning. 
And I realized Monday was a down day because Sunday everybody had worked hard. Because we always had a bunch of activities going on. And um, just like here we got activities going on too. But for some reason, Sunday you're just emotionally exhausted and then you spend time with your family and all the rest. And we had two services and we'd be, some of us would be there at 5.30 in the morning and we didn't get out till about 12.30. And so by Monday you're just exhausted. So I started dressing up on Monday morning. I feel like if I dress up, I feel better. And uh, first thing I'd do, I'd come in the door and I'd say, now, God, you got to help me here because, man, I'm tired too. Give me something positive I can think about. And it was so amazing how God could help me every time. It didn't matter who I met in the hallway. I'd come in there and say, man, wasn't God good yesterday? Man, I really liked the way. And God would remind me of something this person had done yesterday. Like, I remember this one guy. <coughs> He was helping a greeter. He said, you know, and he just, he was in charge of the greeter. And he just taught this greeter how to do the same thing I was just doing with him. And that was lifting him up so he could lift others up when they came through the door. Be positive. Have a smile on your face. He said, I really appreciated what you said to John. I said, man, that was great yesterday, what you did. That, that changes his whole attitude. Well, now his attitude's changing. He's going to share it. You can share positive just as well as you can share negative. But if you're not careful, those negative people, they turn everybody into piranha people. Piranhas are freak, freaky fish. There are a lot of piranha people around you, wherever you're at. They're always there, the negative people. And uh, boy, oh boy, a lot of times they hurt people by their negative attitude. I mean, here's what the evil one, the devil does. It's amazing. He's so crafty. He's so cunning. He can make you feel... Like the piranha people are in the majority. But in reality, they're in the minority. We had a saying on the farm one time, that squeaky wheel gets the attention. All I needed was a little oil. But the next thing you know, you think every wheel's squeaking. <laughs> and that's the way it is with negativity. They may just be two or three of them, and everybody else is positive, but the two or three are making so much noise, you don't hear the positive. So negativity is an infectious disease. In fact, let's just keep reading. It happened in Numbers 14. Here it is in your notes. After the Israelites heard the report from the 12 men who had explored Canaan, the people cried all night. Whoa! Ten of them were negative, two were positive, and all they could think of was a negative. They cried all night and complained. Now, who are they going to complain to? Their leaders. Moses and Aaron. We wish we'd have died in Egypt or somewhere out there in the desert. Man, it was so bad, we should have just died back there. You know, I mean, we were slaves, we were getting whipped, it was really bad, but hey, we should have stayed in Egypt. You're telling me this is the promised land? How easy they forget. You mean we got to show some courage now and go in there and fight those giants? Yeah, you got God on your side, he can defeat any giant. You mean this is not just an autopilot thing where I can take my hands off the wheel and let the car drive itself? No. Not just a neutral situation. It's going to be an adventure out there. And I'm scared of that. You mean I got to be tough? Hey, you got to rely on God. But they grumbled. And by the way, it, I guess I already gave this away, this next thing in your notes, but grumbling is always lobbed at the leaders. And all of you are leading somebody. You all have influence over someone. And they kind of grumble and murmur always. Lobbed at the leaders. I don't care who you are. If you're a parent, you know what that's like because you've got kids and grandkids. Richard Stacy's twins. It's so great. We'd, we'd take them every Friday night from school and have them until Saturday morning. And, and uh, to give uh, Richard Stacy a day off. A night off, at least. Uh, well, they were about a year and a half old, Ruth, and I kept her one time, and I told Ruth, I said, I did not know twins were this tough to take care of. I said, we've got to give them a break. <laughs> and I tell you what, one thing about twins, you know, twins are really good at playing. That. I mean, they know each other, and their personality is really good, and, and Ruth and I are just sitting right through it, and, and one of them didn't get his way, just starts crying. And I said, you can cry if you want to, but when you're done, then we're going to talk about it. So just keep crying, and you might feel better. Come on, cry louder. Well, then that disturbs him. He thought he was going to get his way. It's not making any difference. So now they don't cry anymore. They, 
You know, I mean, but, but it's amazing how I don't care with you, who you are. They're going to grumble. They're going to grumble at the later. You know, they don't want to eat their vegetables or they don't want to eat this or they don't want to. You know. Here's another thing about leadership. You might say to Dwayne, why are you talking about leaders? Because you leadership is influence and we all influence somebody. God has you on earth for a reason. He's not finished with you yet. That's why you and I are still breathing. There's one way you can go through life and be piranha free from all the negativity, and that is just do nothing. But man, when you got God in your life, He's got a reason for you being here. He doesn't want you doing nothing. He wants you to be a lighthouse to those around you. You say, well, I don't think that hurt Moses or Aaron. Oh, yeah, they were humans too. I mean, come on, Joshua and Caleb, are you kidding me? They stood up to the whole group. Oh, yeah, look at the scripture. Then they said to one another, let's choose your own leader and go back. And Moses and Aaron fell, bowed. That word in the original Hebrew language, nafal, means to fell on their face. They fell on their face. The grumbling. They couldn't believe it. They were so depressed about the grumbling people. They fell on their face to pray in front of the crowd. And Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes in sorrow. I mean, they felt so ambushed by the onslaught of anger that they just ripped their clothes and tore them up. And the people said, we should choose a new leader. They didn't want a leader. They wanted somebody safe that they could control, who'd take the easy way instead of God's way. They wanted somebody to say, okay, take us back to bondage, take us back to Egypt, we'll be fine. But <laughs> when you keep reading the Bible, you find out they didn't make it to the promised land on this try. No, they didn't because they, they were too cowards. So God sent them back out to the wilderness and they stayed out there. And because they're grumbling and their negativity and because they're backbiting and because of the, all the rest. In fact, in your notes it says negativity will lead you to wilderness wanderings. It really will. And you'll discover all those negative people died in the wilderness. God decided, okay, if they don't want to go, I'll, I'll raise a generation that decides they do want to go to the promised land. And they all died out there in the desert. The new generation came on, and later on across the Jordan River they went, and you know the rest of the story. So well, here it is again, 40 years later, and the Israelites are once again on the brink of a promised land, waiting to claim it, waiting for the title to be transferred over to their name. And once again, God takes a quick time out and says, wait just a minute. Guess who the leaders are this time? You know who they are. Joshua and Caleb, the only positive ones. God made sure now they're in front. They're going to be the leaders. They were the men of courage, even when everybody else was against them. And what did God talk to them about? Well, it says there in your notes in Joshua chapter 1, Long ago I promised the ancestors of Israel that I would give this land to their descendants, so be strong and brave. Wow. God's going to give it to us. You've got eternal life and you open your life up to God and my sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. But you've got to be brave to live in 2022 the way God wants you to live. It takes courage. If we could see the land God has for us relationally, spiritually, morally, ethically, we, we wouldn't believe it. But God, come on, God, you want me to claim that kind of land? You mean you really want me to do that much with my life? Yeah, be strong and brave. In fact, he says it again. Be careful. Do everything my servant Moses taught you. Never stop reading the book of law he gave to you. Never stop. Never stop reading. Day and night you must think about. That's what we call meditate. Think about what it says. If you obey it completely, you and Israel will be able to take this land. Now we know what meditation is. It's hearing God's voice and doing his word. It's one of the main things I like about this church. We don't just listen to it. A lot of it, you're doing it during the week. And even people here like Sam and others are opening the building so they can do it right here. Wow. Do you know that 70% of the words Christ said are words where you have to do something, where you have to apply it and live it? Only 30% was there for information. I ran 47 marathons and over 500 races. 
like the popcorn panic and all those just because that was a relaxing thing to me just get away before cell even before cell phones and all that it was nice just to get out there and by the way in utah you go in the national the five national what they call them oh whatever it is the five national parks we were in because of the tall rocks and everything your cell phone's done for just leave it in the car well no i didn't do that because i want to take pictures but I mean, it was amazing. And then they sold T-shirts. No reception. Just reactivation. I mean, it's like you went in there and you didn't hear one cell phone ring or anything. It was just like, yeah, this is great. It was just amazing. And I like to do that. When I would run, I didn't have to worry about getting phone calls or anything else. So I'd go run every morning. And then I'd be to work between 7.30 and 8. And... Uh, when I was training for marathons, I'd get up at 3.30, start running at 4 o'clock on my long runs, be done by 6. But I just loved that. I mean, I, me and nature and God, man, we got along really good. But let's just say that I buy a, buy a book on marathon, which I did. I wrote a, I thought, you know, if I'm going to run something, I better, I bought a book on it. And I bought marathon running. I didn't mean to tell you, I could tell you everything about it. And let's say you see me a year later and say, well, how's the marathon going? I said, oh, man, I got the first chapter memorized. It's great. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know the Greek guy, you know, the first marathon running Greece on? I read about his life. He died when he came across the finish line. So it tells us how not to die when you go across the finish line. You need to pace yourself. Well, don't you think you're ever going to start running? Oh, no, I'll get to that someday. But see, you tell me. Get to running, dude. Reading a book is not going to do it. You need to exercise. Same thing goes with the Bible. I know people, and I'm in this Bible study and that Bible study, and I was with a group of men yesterday in Shoops and eat breakfast with a group of men every morning in Shoops at uh, Portage. And, and they were talking about they were in this Bible study. Some men had started. I said, well, good. What did you learn? They told me. I said, well, did you apply it this week? And only two of them could say yes. I said, maybe the reason you're going to the Bible study is to learn something you're supposed to do. It'll help you, man. Don't you want help? Yeah, well, then obey it. Do what the Bible says. Doesn't do you any good if you don't do it and that's the power of God's word it's doing this stuff and I can't do it on my own strength that's why every morning when I get out of bed you've heard me say it before I get out of bed and I say okay God it's you and me today you know what's going to happen I don't have a clue so you're going to have to help me because this is plain Dwayne I got that because one time a guy came down front after after I'd preached there'd be 20 or 30 people and I talked to him and, on the two services and, and and this one guy says well uh Pastor, priest, uh, rabbi, or whatever you are, I said, you can just call me plain Dwayne. Just Dwayne, okay? Or if you can't remember my name, just call me pastor. Oh. So I tell God, okay, God, I know. Just me. You and me today, God, I'm going to need your help. And guess what? When you ask God for help, he helps you. Bible says in one place, you have not because you ask not. So, hey, I'm asking for help. And guess what? God helps you. Okay, what's the last thing we want? Let's go to the next one. What are we ready for? Oh, yeah, listen to this in Joshua. I've commanded you to be strong and brave. Don't be, ever be afraid or discouraged. Why? He tells us why. Because I am the Lord your God, and I will be there to help you wherever you go. Wow, that's a great thing to understand about courage. God's going with me. It's God and me today. He's first. He's walking before me as a shepherd walks before his sheep, man. You and I have got it made. I might be in for a surprise, but it doesn't surprise God, and he's ready to help me if I just ask for it. Think of that. You're never alone. God is always with you, and that's what he wanted to let Joshua and Caleb know. In fact, the Bible in one, part, part, or in one place uh, says that God's like a lion. That's one of his descriptions. Talk about a courageous animal, a lion. Boy, once you open your life up to God, you just think of this God that's like a lion inside of you, ready to help you, man. You talk about that kind of courage, that kind of octane to be the courageous people that God desires. And that's what we need in 2022. The world is just shrinking and collapsing under us because of all the cowards that are just going with the flow. So I don't care what all you've done in the past. God will forgive you and help you right now. It's amazing. Ruth and I, in one of our devotional books, if you take the daily bread that they hand out here, talked about this guy that did this morning on today's that, that uh, was a cocaine dealer. 
And, some, and, and this one guy began to have an influence on his life, and he told him, you need to open your life up to God. He said, I opened my life up to God. Wow, man, I was the happiest cocaine dealer around. I never felt so good in my life until one day God told me, uh, you know, you're really destroying people's lives with that. I got that feeling, and he said, I realized God's right. So I quit dealing cocaine. I started doing things to help people. And it was amazing in the Daily Bread thing about how he really did. But see, it took courage for that guy to open his life to God, let alone let God lead him and guide him and direct him. You talk about somebody really messed up. How about Peter? Peter said, man, I'm your man. These other people, man, I'm with you, Jesus. I've got your back. And Jesus said, hey, before the, cro- the, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to diss me three times. You're going to say you don't even know me. And sure enough, that happened. Now, after Jesus died on the cross, who's the first person he asked for to go see? He said, he told the lady, said, and you especially tell Peter. You tell Peter. I'm up from the dead. I rose. And sure enough, First time he found Peter, he said, Peter, you're forgiven. Now go and make a difference. And Peter became one of the most courageous men to walk the face of the earth. And the same is true with us. We've all failed. We've all had failures in our past. We've all had mistakes. We're all average people, ordinary people, just plain doings. And we serve an extraordinary God who gives an extraordinary amount of courage. And it comes from the inside. If we'll just ask God to help us, we can do it. And by the way, we need courage in three different realms, okay? That's on the back. We need spiritual courage. Whenever I think of courage, I think of the guy called the name of David. David was an amazing man. He obeyed God in the private places. He's by himself. Nobody sees him. And there comes a lion after these 10, 12, 15 sheep he's trying to guard. So what does he do? He has to learn how to take care of that lion. And I'm sure while he's out there, I hear my brothers are in town. They're partying. They're having fun. And here I am out here learning how to use a slingshot, and man, I could really, I could nail those lines. In fact, they claimed that he could throw, with that slingshot he had, that he could probably, it, it could come at you like a Colt 45. I mean, when he hit a lion in the head, it probably went right through the skull. Same thing with Goliath. But here he is. He goes to see his brothers, and they're all scared of this man called Goliath. I mean, good grief. I fought off bears. I fought off lions, and you're scared of this guy? So he tells us, King Saul, hey, I'll go, I'll go take him on. Can't you just imagine what it might have been like if you'd have been Michael Buffer? You'd been on a hill? Might have been something like this. Welcome to the Valley of Elah Arena. This is where the world weight, heavyweight, biblical championship is taking place. And over here in the Hebrew camp at five foot eight, weighed 145 pounds, is us little kid called David. His opponent over here, his opponent is nine foot nine, 439 pounds. He comes from the country of Gath. His name is Goliath. Everybody claps. <coughs> okay, this bout is brought to you by the King of, King of King Productions. It should be a very short bout, sports can, because this Hebrew hick, this hillbilly, this little boy is fighting this great behemoth, behemoth Goliath. Goliath has never been beaten. He has ripped people in two before. This could be horrible. You may want to hide your kid's eyes. I can't believe he's out there. Wait a second. This kid's picking up rocks. What's he thinks he's going to Is he going to skip them across? No, he's taking the rocks and putting them in his little pouch. And now, oh, man, he's walking right toward Goliath, and he's got this thing. He's slinging around, and he, the only place Goliath is not protected is between the eyes. He just put a hole in his head, and he is down on one knee, and now he's down. The winner of the new world heavyweight biblical champion, this courageous kid from Canaan, David. Wow. You know why David, God could put David in that spot? Because when he was by himself, he obeyed God, whether anybody saw him or not. God was training him all those years. Gave him vision, gave him courage to know that he was God's man. And you know, it really hurts my spirit when people say, you know, Christianity is reserved for those people who are weak. Those people who are um, they need a psychological crutch. Those people who are, you know, like quiche eaters, kind of soft, that's what Christianity is reserved for. And I had to laugh at them when they say that because I think, man, the problem you're having is you're intimidated by the courage of Christians who haven't have to tell the truth 
and admit who they are before God. God, I'm just a sinner, but I need you to help me. I need you to help me as we sang about this morning to do justly and to, and to walk humbly and to really walk humbly before God. God. I mean, that's Christianity. Christians are the ones who are courageous. And they're willing to stand up when nobody else will stand up for what is right and for what is true. And so when they see Christ coming through you, they are intimidated. It scares them. They want to run from him. They're going to pass laws to kind of keep you down. I've been praying here, many of you here this week as we were driving back home. 1,666 miles the last two days. That God would give you the courage right now to tell God the truth about your condition and to take a stand and say, okay, God, I want a personal relationship with you that amounts to something just like David's. I want to take a stand. I need your courage in the world we live in today. Here's another thing we need. We need ethical, moral courage. We really do. And the best person that I can give you an example of this is Joseph. You know the story of Joseph, a little boy and his own brothers sold him as a slave. He didn't even want him in the family. You talk about rejection. And not only was he rejected, but you know, he goes, and because he still believes in God and he's still living a courageous life of, with character and, and, and integrity and courage on his own because God was helping him, the head of the CIA hires him. His name was Potiphar. Man, he does so good. He just turns the whole organization over to him. He goes out and plays golf. But Potiphar has a wife who's attracted to him, but he's not going to do the wrong thing because he's a man of courage. He's following God. And so when temptation came, he ran from it. And guess what? She lies. Next thing you know, he's in jail. Said, oh, man, by this time, I think I'd be giving up of his Joseph. Next thing you know, the jailer realizes, I can trust this guy. Now, it wasn't easy because it says in one place in the Bible he had bruises on his ankles from the shackles he had to wear. I mean, it wasn't easy, but he had courage to do the truth and do the right thing. And next thing you know, because he does the right thing and is courageous enough to do it, he's number two in the country under Pharaoh. God knew he could trust Joseph with all that. He, he was put over the whole area of saving grain during seven good years so that during the seven bad years they'd have enough to eat during the famine. And the money didn't go to his head. His position didn't go to his head. He was still trusting God. God's looking for people that are like that. But not only do we need ethical and moral courage, we also need relational courage. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to have courage to ask forgiveness. If I'm in a difficult marriage and I told people, I said, you know, you need to ask each other to forgive each other. You need to have the courage to do that. Because, you know, none of us are perfect. My spouse isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. We all have to ask forgiveness. We need courage to stand and build and build in time to spend with our kids. I've told hundreds of parents this. You know, God, your kids don't care about how much money you make. They care about you. They need you at home. They need you there. Instead of out of the lake or somewhere, unless you take them with you, you need to spend time with your kids because they grew up too fast. You need to have the courage to teach them about Jesus. They need to see it in your life. You need to have courage to make church a priority like you people have today. Put it in your schedule. Courage needs to be everywhere in every slice of life. And believe you me, this week there's going to come a time when you and I need courage. And when you say, God, I need courage here, you need to help me. I really need your help. And he'll give you courage. Let's take a moment and talk to God. Dear God, this night now as we're praying, I just ask you to give me courage. And as I pray this prayer out loud, maybe the people will have some courage to pray it silently to you. Say, God, I admit the obvious to you. I've messed up. I believe Christ came here on earth to live a perfect life, a courageous life, to die on the cross for all of my sins. And I believe, Jesus, that you rose again. And honestly, I don't always understand it all, but I ask you to come in and give me the source, the power, the courage to live for you. Help me. To be what you would have me to be this day, even in the next few minutes. Help me to ask you for courage or wisdom to know how to live for you as we go through this next week. Well, I'm in a world that, I had to be honest with you, they don't like Christians, but they never have. The cowardly way was the easy way out all the time. So help us this week to have courage. Help me to have the courage I need 
to live for you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Judy to come up and lead us in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Pray with me. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As the Svelbar family comes back up, and Dave, um, we appreciate their ministry this morning. And um, as we prepare for communion, um, I am going to pray before we get started, but um, anyone who, sorry, any, anyone who is saying yes to Jesus this morning is welcome to the table um, and welcome to receive the elements this morning. And um, we are so thankful for the grace that we find at the table. So pray with me for communion this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you again one more time. We ask that you would bless the table, bless the bread and the juice, Lord, that um, is representative of the sacrifice that you made for us on your cross. Lord, that you could redeem us from our sins, that you could redeem us from, from death, Lord, and that we can always, uh, through that, we can know uh, an eternity with you. Father, I thank you for your sacrifice. And I pray that you will bless this, this time that we have left Bless, Lord, each person who is um, partaking at the table and those, Lord, who don't feel that they can today. Speak into them, Lord, and let them know of your love and your care and your grace and your mercy for them. For all of this, we praise you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you're not comfortable coming forward, there are um, elements on your tables that you can partake of, but um, please... You're invited to the table this morning. For me in glory, 
heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and that old redemption story some sweet day i'll sing up there the song Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. <laughs>